Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome Today's episode of the Nick Pop Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors. It's officially that time of year. It's chilly out. It's winter. And if you're feeling the shiveries inside your house, you know what time it is. It's time to talk to your local Pella, Omaha, and Lincoln expert about taking a closer look at your windows. You can save energy, but most importantly, you can stay warm with windows from Pella that are properly installed the patented Pella way by professionals using window and doors with the highest energy efficiency ratings in the industry from Energy Star. Check them out online, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. And the Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by my good friends at Runza. I got two words for you. Temperature Tuesdays. That's right. Temperature Tuesdays are back at Runza. And every Tuesday in January and February, the coldest temperature in Runza land at 6 a.m. is the price you'll pay for an original Runza sandwich when you buy a medium fry and a medium drink. So take advantage of Temperature Tuesdays at Runza. And while you're there, tell them Nick Bob sent you. All right, it is, uh, it's Wednesday, January 6th. Uh, quick reminder to everyone to make sure you are mashing and crushing that subscribe button. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Uh, and while you're there, leave a five-star rating and a review. It all helps me out. And as always, uh, I'll tell you once, tell you a thousand times, I appreciate each and every one of y'all for listening and supporting this podcast. And on, that, on the podcast today... Uh, former Husker point guard Jake Mulehuizen, four-year starter, four-year captain. I grew up with Jake Mulehuizen. Yeah, I played high school basketball with Jake. He was two years older than me. Um, he's one of my best friends, and he's one of my favorite human beings on earth. And he's now the radio color analyst for Husker Hoops alongside Kent Pavelka. So I thought, you know what? Who better than Jake to bring on to discuss some Nebraska basketball? Certainly been a frustrating stretch for Fred Hoiberg's crew. You know, they're 4-7 and seven overall, 0-4 in Big Ten play. I think they've lost now like 20 or 21 consecutive conference games, which is just, you know, maddening to really kind of say out loud. But, you know, Jake and I take a deep dive on this team and this season and what we are seeing and what we like and what we don't like and what we think needs to change and and how we see the rest of the season playing out. So Nebraska basketball fans, I think you guys are really going to enjoy this. So let's get to it. Here's my podcast chat with former Husker point guard, current Nebraska radio analyst, Jake Muleheisen. Enjoy. Right on the line now is uh, former Southeast Knight, uh, former uh, small fry point guard of home real estate, Jake Mielheis. Is that right? You were home real estate, right? Is that right, Home Jake? real estate, baby. We were leaking Eagles for a little bit, but then we switched to home real estate. Do you, do you remember? So I was on Valentino's. You, you beat us in the finals. Like, I think you were in fifth grade and I was in third grade. It was, it was, it was a tough day for me. Let me just tell you, it was a tough day. I just remember you and uh, Nate Woodstruck was legit back in the day. Nate Woodstruck was like Gordon Hayward, the Gordon <laughs> Hayward of, of of small fry basketball. The dude was unbelievable, man. Well, there was there was some good there was some good players in that league. As Rudy was on, uh, they Havlock. were Havlock Lions, yep. and then uh, like Ty Graham and yeah. some of those guys. They were like 
the highest restriction was what five three, but they all had. Uh, I know I tell you, had a beard when he was and when he was in seventh grade or whatever. However old you could be playing him that. I always tell people, and and you know it's only people that that know. So the the small fry league was in Lincoln. And it was at, the games were at the Salvation Army, and I mean the Salvation Army was basically Cameron Indoor Stadium. It was a tiny cracker box with like three sets of bleachers on both sides, and it was rocking in there. And you remember that the locker rooms were like down underneath and it was really oh, yeah. loud in there. You could hear the crowd. Like I tell people all the time, the most nervous I think I ever was for any basketball games were small fry basketball when I was like in third grade. For sure. I mean, and, and you felt like, you know, you, you'd always go to the Nebraska uh, games and, and, and watch those, those teams come out and having your own locker room as a, <laughs> yeah. as a 10, as a 10 year old was like, the coolest thing ever you run out of the locker room and you and it did it felt like uh it did it felt like allen Fieldhouse yeah. or you know something that was just off the charts huge and there was probably like 50 people there <laughs> and people weren't even paying attention and i was like man it was no. rocking in there last night it was right. it was nuts uh before we get into into the nuts and bolts of this nebraska basketball team you know how do you think i don't we haven't talked about this how do you think you would have handled COVID as a player like go back to you know 18 19 20 20 year old Jake Muehlheisen because like I think I think basketball wise like finding a way to stay keep you know stay in shape and and work on my skills and all that stuff I think I'd have been okay on that front but socially is where I think I would have had a big problem I I I like to go out I like to have a good time I like to party I like to be around people and so I'd had a hard time with that how do you think you would have handled it I, I I agree. I think I think the working out and and the weightlifting and and doing that sort of thing, staying in shape, I'd have been fine. Um, I think during season, I would have been fine. If I mean, yeah, I lived with Barrett. I lived with Barrett, as you know, and and we. Uh, I mean, we were the most routine individuals ever. We watched ten o'clock Seinfeld every night and went to bed at ten thirty. <laughs> so I mean, it wasn't like we were out during season, especially that we were out doing anything crazy. But it would be more of the off season stuff where. You know, seeing your friends, seeing your family, getting out and about. Uh, I think that would have been super hard where uh, just just a simple a task of, of going home for Thanksgiving or Christmas. You know, this year was like uh, uh, pulling teeth to be able yeah. to do that and, and, and actually spend quality time and see the people you wanted to see. So I think from that aspect, especially the guys that, you know, weren't from Lincoln, that didn't have the luxury of driving, you know, mm-hmm. two miles to see their folks like I did. I think it would have been really hard for those guys. So obviously, you're also the Nebraska radio analyst. Um, what's obviously you've been having to do things remotely, broadcasting, not on site. I've had to do that a handful of times. I mean, I'm currently recording this from Charlotte, and I'm calling games out of a, a studio. I mean, I did a, I did, I did Marquette, UConn. Kugler was in his basement, and I was in Charlotte, and we're doing Marquette, UConn. It's just, it's bizarre. What's been the hardest part about not being at the games for, from a broadcasting standpoint? Yeah, I think it's I think it's just getting the feel of the environment and what the what the vibe is at the game. I mean, you know, you show up a, a couple hours before, you can kind of feel the um, the excitement at the arena. Uh, especially uh, if you go to a, a place and the students are already there, you know it's going to be a, a big time game. Um, and then you know, it, like when you're calling the game last night, not being next to the guy you're you're yeah. calling with and just kind of feeling, um, you know when he's going to stop, when he's going to keep going. Uh, and, and, um, we've had a couple times where the, the feed that we have is frozen or it skips. 
and and, and especially for the play-by-play guy. I'm, I'm you know I'm doing the you did the play-by-play the other night for the yeah. Michigan State game, um, but for the play-by-play guy like Pavelka, I mean he's having a, a bear of a time when it freezes for you know five seconds. All of a sudden, you know a guy down the floor has the basketball and he's scoring, so he has no idea what's going on. But um, it's it's we're learning. I mean, we, yeah. have, we have each other on camera, which I'm sure you do too. So we can kind of see each other and, and, and read the body language, but I just miss seeing um, guys warming up, seeing what the atmosphere is like and, and just feeling the, the excitement in the arena. The, the other thing I was thinking about is, you know, you probably haven't been able to be around Delano Banton and Teddy Allen and around the team at shoot around and watch a practice intimately sitting courtside and when you're not able to do those things, I think it's I think that's a part of your job. Like I think it's it's harder to get a sense of, hey, what's this guy's personality like? What's this team's chemistry like? What all those kinds of things? Or hey, I know they walked over this at shoot around. This is how they're handling uh, Aaron Henry's ball screens with whatever. And so I know they either handled this wrong or handled this right. Like I also think that's been a way more challenging than I thought it would be. It kind of feels like you're not. You you're, you can do your prep, but without being around the guys, it's way harder. Totally agree. And 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 you know we got we get to to know those guys fairly well. Um, and 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 not that we're having long conversations sure. with the players and whatnot, but just being around the coaches, talking with those guys. And like you said, being at shoot around, um, I I hadn't gone to any practices at all this year, so you get to kind of learn a lot about a guy and and what type of person they are, what type of player they are at practice. You know, are they a vocal leader? Are they a guy that that uh, is pretty quiet, leads by example? Um, do they say hi to you on the plane? Um, you know, all those little things that that you kind of miss this year, and even just having you know conversations with coaches and and you know how they're feeling, you miss all that. And yes. and you know, normally, you know, when you're traveling or even and and get down to the arena pretty early, you you, um, you, you build a relationship with those guys. And right now. It's, it feels like we're not even really a part of the team. It just feels like we're, you know, I go to a small room at the, at the Husker Sports Network and, <laughs> and call the game and go home. It's just, it's just weird. It is. Um, I, I, I know my wife likes it, though, I'm home a lot earlier right. and, not, and, not, and not traveling to road games right now. <laughs> no, no doubt about it. This is like, uh, this, is, this is your wife's dream, my wife's dream here, that we're not, we're not out and about as much. But right. do you think, real quick, uh, last thing before we get into the team, do you think uh, – I mean, I think no crowds make a difference, you know? Like, now, ultimately, I, 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 I don't know if this sounds hypocritical. Like, I think it makes a difference, but that's also not to say that I don't think ultimately the good teams won't still be the good teams, you know? Like, I think there maybe are a few incidents of a, a game here, a game there that might go different. And, and honestly, I think it's maybe more the middle-of-the-pack teams that, that get hurt the most because, you know, who knows? Maybe, maybe the other night against uh, – against Michigan State when Nebraska cuts it to four late, PBA's rocking, and they're able to dig in and get a stop and get it and get a bucket. You know, like and then all of a sudden you build some momentum. I guess how do you see the the no crowd factor? I think it's I think it's a big a big part of this year. And it's it's and it's hard to put your finger on I think you're spot on where I think those upper upper tier teams, it doesn't really impact them. They they kind of have that uh that swag and, and kind of the culture where they're going to win a game if it's tight either way, if they have the crowd behind them. But, you know, I, I, I go back to the Nevada game and the Georgia tech game. Yep. Um, and when we played at PBA and lost those close ones where, 
you know, the, the you know Nevada and Georgia Tech, they're the middle middle tier teams where I think the crowd could have sped them up tremendously, um, especially when um, at that point in, in the season we were getting a lot of steals and turnovers and getting some fast break uh, opportunities where I think the crowd would have been into it big time. And where we've struggled too is when we're not scoring and it, it, we're we're not playing as hard defensively because we don't have the energy where the crowd can really uh, give you a jolt especially on that end. So I think it's a big part of this season, you know, across the country where, um, you know, you're seeing some, some teams win some, win some road games at arenas that normally uh, the road team doesn't leave there with a victory very often. No. So I think it's, I think it's a big piece of this year. And, and um, but I think the, the better teams will, will be just fine. So let's get into this, this team specifically. I mean, they're, Listen, they're struggling, obviously. I mean, they're 0-4 in Big Ten play, 4-7 and overall. I think they've lost now like 20 or 21 straight conference games, which is just still just mind-blowing. From a, from a broad sense, what's been the most surprising thing to you so far with this team? Is there one single – is it a player? Is it an element? Is it a, a, a part of the game? What's, what's maybe surprised you the most? I think I think the the I mean let's just start with a couple of players that have that have surprised me and not I guess probably not in a good way would be you know Lad Mayan I thought was going to shoot the ball a lot a lot more consistent um, I think he is a really good shooter I just think he's he's uh, he's lacking confidence right now and and him and and Kobe Webster you know those two guys haven't really been able to get it going uh, for this team yet I think the other thing that surprised me uh, is just the 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 lack of, of rhythm we've been able to get into offensively. I think we have the guys that can score that can, that can be effective offensively, but I think um, we just haven't been able to get into a rhythm and whatever that is. Yeah. Um, it, it just inconsistent shooting. Maybe it's uh, you know, sometimes the ball is sticking sometimes. Um, and once, and as you know, dude, I think when shots aren't falling, uh, especially for guys that have, have seen them go in their entire career, you know, that, that when the doubt starts to start to creep in and then you're not able to win on top of it, then it just, it's, it's kind of like that quicksand effect. I think that's what's kind of uh, is, is uh, what the team is facing now. But I think the, the, the lack of consistent shooting by some guys and just the lack of rhythm offensively has surprised me, uh, surprised me the most as far as the negatives. But, you know, I will say this though, the the defensive uh, side of the ball, I think that surprised me too. Where we we've proven when we're locked in, uh, we can be elite defensively. So that surprised me too. I didn't know how good we could be on that end of the floor. But I think if I would like their mental focus to shift, go, hey, let's just focus on being a really good team uh, defensively, and offense will come. That yeah. that surprised me on on the length and the rebounding. And that's the good side of the surprise. The bad side is just a lack of shooting. You know, I was so I was I was writing down questions for you, and the sometimes we can overcomplicate things. Like the reality is, if we were to say, okay, what's what's Fred Hoiberg want the what does he want for the identity of this of this team and his program? He wants pace and threes. Well, yep. the team's not shooting very well from three, and I actually I know they're like Ken Palm tempo numbers and all those things are are pretty good. I don't think this team's playing with near the same pace that it that it played with at times last year and that I know that Coach Hoiberg wants them to play at. So, like, basketball is hard when the two things you are going to try to really lean on aren't there. 
Could it be just as simple as that? Like they're not getting out and running as much as I think they could, and they're not making shots. Yeah, I, and I, I, and I think that's that's dead on. I think a lot of it has to do with their confidence. You look at the first five games of the year when, um, you know, obviously McNeese State's not a high caliber team, but we're out and running. Yeah. And even even when when the North Dakota State team, who's a who's a quality team, when it was it was a tie, basically a tie ball game with about. Uh, 12 or 10 minutes to play, and then we just blew the doors off because we got the tempo where we wanted it to be. And we and we had that against Nevada for a little bit. We had it against Georgia Tech for a little bit. But then once we started to, to miss shots, and, um, and and I think the I think the lack of a of a uh, of the man. I don't think we know who the man is yet. Um, who's going to control the the ball a lot of the time? And sometimes it's Teddy, sometimes it's Trey, sometimes it's uh, Delano. So I think that that is playing into it, but I think it's just the, the the confidence. I mean, when you're when you're thinking about your shot and not just playing hoops, it's it's hard to get out and run and really push yeah. the tempo and trust pulling up and transition for a three. So I think that's I think the confidence has a, a big part of of, uh, of our of our tempo and pace and and just lack of shooting right now. Yeah, you know, you brought up the, the you know who's kind of dominating the ball, and I think one of the issues is and the, and what I'm about to say doesn't I'm not saying these guys aren't good players, but I don't think this is just me. You can disagree. I don't think Nebraska has a true run your team point guard. Like just because you are, you can handle the ball and pass doesn't necessarily mean you're a run the show guy. Like I think Banton can do those things. He's got great size, but he's kind of methodical. He doesn't play as fast with the ball. Um, the ball does kind of stick with him a little bit. Again, good player. I think he's really good as like a secondary ball handler. And then I think McGowan's is more of a, a combo guard scorer than he is a, a run the team guy. You were a point guard. Like I I think I was liking, you know, the difference between handling the ball and running the team is the difference between babysitting and parenting. Like, yeah, you're watching the kids, but it's way different. How do you see the point guard spot? Yeah, I think that's that's a good analogy. Um, I, I think I think let's start with Delano. I think he's um, learning, um, you know, how to be a better point guard and really um, be that guy to to kind of dictate the offense. But I, you know, there's some times when he's when he's running the point, and man, the offense looks good. And then there's the next time down, you're like, I don't know what that was. But I think with his size, I think he can be a really good point guard. But I think he's learning to keep that pace um, and. Sometimes he just he just uh, stops being aggressive too, and I think that he needs to always have that have his foot on the gas and and not trying to make plays for himself, but just trying to make plays for everybody. Um, but I think I think he can be that guy. I just think he's learning his role from that spot. Uh, I I think Trey McGowan's. I think he's 100% a hundred percent a combo guard. I think he's a, a two three slasher scorer. I don't think he's a, a true point guard. Um, Kobe Webster has shown it sometimes too, but. Um, we just—it's it, kind of been point guard by committee when yeah. we need—we need—we need Delano to really kind of step up and 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 be that leader. But he, you know, being only a sophomore and, and with what eleven new guys again, it's hard. They're all trying to figure yeah. out their roles too, where um, they, they they just kind of have that little bit of hesitancy rather than going out and and playing and knowing where, exactly where everybody's going to be at. Right. Yeah, it's weird. I, and, like, I was not – full disclosure, I was not a Cam Mack fan. But Cam Mack, I think, in terms of what Fred wanted it, with pushing the ball, Cam Mack 
provided that more than anyone on this team does. But that, but I say that to say, do I like Delano Banton and Trey McGowan's more? Hell yeah, I do. So it's kind of weird. It's like, you know, I like these two players more, but there's no doubt that Cam Mack, like, he was faster with the ball. And I thought just Hanif Cheatham ran the wing, ran the floor hard. I just like, I find myself when I watch Nebraska play, I keep on saying, go, go, go. Like, like, I just feel like when they, they get an outlet, they got to, they got to play with more urgency. And I think that would maybe help them. Cause I know for me, like whenever I hit a, hit a slump offensively, I think the more you can just like play, like, I think the more it got bogged in the half court was the more I started thinking too much. I think it would help these guys if they just like just turned it loose and push it. Yeah, I think, and I think that's what Fred wants. I think yes. I think there's some times that he's frustrated. And, I, and go back to our conversation with not being at the arena. It's hard to tell, you know, his his uh, demeanor on the sidelines, which we could if we were there. But uh, when we get some rebounds, sometimes you know we have so many guys that can push it, but instead they instead of supermaning it and taking it up the floor themselves, they'll try to find Delano, which slows the breakdown where if they can find Delano or just push it themselves, like kind of like we did last year, we can get that pace. But I think if we can get that tempo and, and, and try to try to put pressure on the defense and get some easy ones early, because we haven't been able to do that the last couple of games. No. And, and, and you know, this, I mean, basketball is a game of easy baskets and, right. and that's what coach Hoiberg wants. He wants, he wants shots at the rim or threes. And I think if we could try to attack the rim off the break before the defense can get set, I mean, that, that could go a long ways to get our confidence back just to get some ones, especially early on in the game. But I think, I think you'll see that happen more often where, where Fred will try to get these guys to outlet it better, um, get a cleaner outlet and, and really push the tempo. And, I mean, think about Delano. He's six seven, six eight. I mean, he can finish at the rim if he gets that out. Let's take a quick break to talk to you about my longtime pals and loyal supporters of the podcast, Pella Windows and Doors. You know, Pella has a window type for every home and every budget. And you might know Pella for its award-winning wood windows, but did you know that Pella also has a complete line of industry-leading patented fiberglass and vinyl windows? Pella's fiberglass windows use a patented Duracast material, more durable than aluminum or vinyl made from a composite material used in the aerospace industry for its strength, durability, and temperature resistance. It's big time right there. And Pella's vinyl window series offer all the features that make it one of the most energy-efficient windows on the market with the same value and style you've come to expect from all Pella products with outstanding structural integrity. Built from multi-chambered, fully welded frames and sashes, Pella's vinyl windows assure a quieter, more comfortable home. Bottom line, Pella's vinyl and fiberglass windows are really, really cool. Check them out online, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. And while we're here, let's talk about my good friends at Runza. Got another super secret menu item not a lot of people know about. My friends at Runza are hooking me up, and I'm going to let you in on it. This one's just, uh, you know, this one's near and dear to my heart because it's a twist on the best fries on earth. Runza's Crinkle Fries. It's Runza's Chili Cheese Fries. That's some legendary Runza Crinkle Fries topped with their homemade chili and cheddar cheese sauce. Let me say that again in case some of you passed out just thinking about it. Legendary Runza Crinkle Fries. Homemade chili, cheddar cheese sauce. Oh, my goodness. It's a side that eats like a meal. So there you go. Another super secret menu item exclusively for Nick Bob Podcast listeners. So stop in, order the chili cheese fries and runza, and while you're there, tell them Nick Bob sent you. Okay, back to the podcast. 
No question. I mean, when he's got a head, him and the, when Trey and Delano are coming at you, and hell, even Teddy, Teddy's not as uh, imposing, if that makes sense, but he, you know, he's got a way about him of getting to his spots, but like, they have guys that, like, if you're backpedaling and Trey McGowan's is coming at you, you're in trouble. And if you're backpedaling and Delano Banton's really coming at you with urgency and he does his little Euro step through and get the ball up and over, like, you're going to foul or he's going to get a good shot. I just I, I just find myself, like I said, saying, like, push it, run. When I'm watching him on film or watching him, I'm just like, you guys need to get out and run more. But I, and, and like I said, you know that's what Fred wants, and so – I think eventually they'll get to that. Do you think – I want to talk about Teddy Allen because it's it's weird because, listen, super talented scorer, and there's no question that Nebraska needs his offense, but what's hard is, you know, he takes really tough shots, and the ball does kind of stick with him a little bit. So there's this weird spot that I think Coach Hoiberg's in where it's like, on one hand, we need Teddy's scoring, but on the other hand, he – He's so, we sometimes sacrifice what the what we want things to look like offensively to accommodate that scoring. So it's kind of a weird, you know, rock in a hard place with Teddy. And again, I mean, the guy's just it's it's ridiculous what he can do scoring the ball. What do you see with Teddy? Well, I you know I I hadn't watched Teddy play a whole lot prior to this season, and, and I didn't get to go down to any practices like I said. So watching him play, I mean the dude can score and it's, it's crazy how quickly he can put up 10, 12, 14 points and a half. And I think, I think you saw coach adjust a little bit in that Michigan state game where he pulled Teddy out early in that second half when he didn't like what he was doing. Right. And I think you're, I think you're going to see, start seeing more of that um, as this season goes on, but you're right where, you know, early on we needed him on the, on the floor to score, but there were some times that the ball just stuck and, and it wasn't, it, it wasn't in the confines of the offense or how, how coach Hoiberg wanted it to look, but it was, it, it, everybody's still trying to learn their role at the time. So I think you'll see it, him, uh, you know, maybe pull Teddy out and, and sub someone in if he's not doing what he's supposed to do. But you know what I, what I would like Teddy to do more is he, he's talented on the defensive side too, but he sometimes, if he's not getting the ball, and getting some looks up, he, he uh, sometimes doesn't want to get back as, as urgently as he should, mm-hmm. but um, the dude can flat out score. And he's got like, he's got some crazy old man, YMCA crafty man. moves in the paint. And it's like, how in the heck do you make that? <laughs> right. It's crazy. Like, it's I don't nuts. think, I don't, the thing that's a pretty amazing compliment to Teddy is I think about all the basketball players that I've played with, played against, or just watched period. And I'm not sure I've ever seen anybody that plays like Teddy. Have you? No, he, it's he, he's got it's like the old man awkward game, and um, you know his 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 jumper from from three is like a kind of a set shot right. type jumper, and then he'll post you up. He'll like do some hook shots in there. It's, I mean, some of the score some of the scores that he's made around the basket where. You think that he's just pinched in between right. uh, the defender and the baseline, and then he makes a little scoop shot. And like, you you look over, you're like, I don't know how he made that, but the dude is like, uh, when he gets going, like he did uh, in a few games here, it's like, God, he he had two points at half, and now he has twenty five. Right. I mean, you, Jake, you played in the Big Twelve, like, you, you know what it's like in in a high major conference. Like for you to have. 17 or 20 points and a half is really, 
really hard, like really oh, hard. Yeah, and 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 not only doing that, but he it's not like he was taking fifty shots. Dude right. was uh, dude was making everything that he looked at, and that's what you know when Hoiberg has a guy like that. Uh, I, I, you saw that set against Michigan State at the timeout when they ran that little pin down flare screen for Teddy. It's like he just drains it. It's like that is that's right. what Hoiberg can do with these guys if, if they start getting in that in that rhythm. But Teddy can fill it up, and and um, you know I kind of wondered why he had that nickname, but I think everybody knows <laughs> now why that he has that nickname. You know the one thing I will say with Teddy though, like, and I would love to if I was a coach, I would love to pull Teddy aside and say this. He'd be like, Teddy, hey man. I don't want to change you and I don't want you to lose that chip on your shoulder and that edge that you play with, but you got to have better control and better control of your emotions and better control of not fouling. Like he's developed a problem here in conference play in particular where he gets, he's gotten into foul trouble. It hurt at Wisconsin. It hurt against Michigan state. Like a part of being the man is the responsibility of, of providing your team what they need, and they need your ass on the floor, okay? So right. you can't get dumbass fouls, and you can't get too caught up in some one-on-one thing where all of a sudden you lose sight of what's happening with the game. Does that make sense? Like, I, I think Teddy needs that, too. I agree. I, I, and and, and you, you probably agree with me here, too, but you got to love, you know, his uh, his passion and him getting after those dudes and talking some trash. I, I like that that part of the game. Right. Just so long, like you said, it doesn't cross that line of losing the focus of, of what you're there to do, and that's win the game. Right. And his fouls, I mean, some of his fouls are, are, are 80 feet away from the basket, and just, you know, him just being aggressive and, and um, losing focus for a little bit. And both him and Ladmine have both done that, especially, like you said, in conference play. And we need those dudes on the floor to win. Um, so they, we just can't afford the the mental errors. And and it's kind of like in football where, you know, you have the mental errors of jumping off sides or, or doing some of those things where you just can't afford those no. in basketball either. And and we don't have the 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 latitude or the the grace that that some teams have. They can get away with some of those mistakes and still win. We don't have that. We have to we have to play a, a, a pretty clean game, uh, especially in the Big Ten to get a win. You know, go back to Lat for a second because you, you brought up, like, his shot making or lack thereof has been a big problem. Like, because w- when I think of, you know, because McDermott and Hoiberg run a similar system, you know, at least the stuff that they're predicated upon. And watching watching Creighton for a decade now with, with Coach McDermott, like, there are two positions in particular that are super important. The point guard, and we've talked about that, but then you're a four-man that can stretch the floor and make threes. And if you think about kind of going, man, this Hoiberg offense has it totally looked like I thought it would look. Well, we talked about the, the point guard situation, but if you think about it, last year, Kavas didn't shoot it well. Kevin Cross didn't shoot it well. This year, Latman has, Lat hasn't shot it well. Like, when you're not getting three-point production from that four everything kind of changes like if I had to pick there's a lot of guys that need to play better but I think if Lat started shooting better I think everything would look different totally and and you know the the pick and pop game changes uh changes our offense a ton and then just think about the driving lane that opens up yeah. for Trey McGowan's for Thor uh for Teddy and those guys uh, Delano that can get to the paint. If you, if, if, if guys are hitting shots um, from the perimeter, especially lat where, 
he's getting looks and and I will say his his jumper uh looks pretty it it, it just I think it's all between the years no right doubt. now where he's thinking about it um and and he drained the one against Michigan State when he had to just catch and shoot it when he wasn't thinking he, and, he, and he drills it so I think I think if he was shooting um, let's just say he was shooting 38%, which I think he can totally do. Um, it changes the complete look of our offense and how we run things, uh, not only through him, but set him in spots to where he's almost the decoy in some situations to give some driving lanes to some guys that can slash through the paint. What about uh, the, the one thing I will say, and, you know, I mean, this is just, I've always felt basketball is a confidence and chemistry sport. You got to have confidence individually and you got to have chemistry with your teammates and confidence in your teammates. And the only way to get that is to like play with guys and have success. Well, these guys haven't played together a ton and they haven't had a lot of success. So it stands to reason that they would be kind of lacking in some of those areas. When you think back to your career, whether you were hooping with me at Lincoln Southeast, or I'm sure you could look in Barrett's eyes and know, you know, you could trust him and the chemistry and the confidence were there. Same thing at, at Nebraska with, you know, whether it was Turek or Drevo or whoever you were out there doing your thing with, like, what does that look like? How, how do you kind of characterize that? Cause I do think there is some of that that's lacking where, when, when they have kind of gotten punched at times, they've, they've not reacted well in a game, and by the time they do kind of like stop the bleeding, it's kind of too late. Well, yeah, let's, let's, let's go back to our COVID conversation. These guys all arrived during COVID, all new to the team, and as you know, you got to know all your teammates. You know, Not only, obviously, we knew each other at Southeast, but you arrived at, at KU and at Creighton you got to know your, your, your teammates, uh, at, off the floor Yep. and yeah, they can hang out, um, you know, in their dorm or their apartments and all that, but, um, they, they haven't been able to get out and about and, and really spend time with their teammates as much as they probably could have, uh, pre COVID. So I think that's, I think that's part of it. I, I, I really do. And, and the better, you know, your teammates, the better you're going to play on the floor. And I, I just think that they haven't, uh, they haven't been through it. They didn't get the exhibition game. They didn't get the close scrimmage. Um, they, they, they thought they may not have even played. So I think it's just, I think there's so many things in that equation that played into the, into the chemistry part of it. But, um, I think they need a win so bad yeah. too, that if they, if they could have, I think if they could have beat Georgia tech or Nevada in a close game and proven that they, that what they're doing is working, um, or even, even beat Wisconsin or, you know, even one of those big 10 games that they're in, um, that so much that goes, that goes a long ways to, to chemistry as well, because then, you know, well, what we're doing in practice is working. You know, I know that he's going to make those shots when we need them. Um, it just a win for this team could go a long ways in trying to trying to build that chemistry and, and hopefully get some more wins in, in big 10 as this, uh, as the season keeps going on. Even, even something as little as like, I vividly remember my freshman year, the first time the entire team was invited to coach self's house. And I, I remember feeling so exponentially better and more comfortable and more connected to everyone. Cause there's something about like going to your coach's house and it just, you feel, you know, everybody talks about like, we're a family, like you, in some ways you're not really a family until you like do stuff like that. And it's like, you can't do that. They can't go to coach Hoiberg's house and all get together and go, you know, barbecue outside or, or, or whatever. And so it's 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 not just even like moments hanging out socially with your with your teammates. It's even like get-togethers like that that just make a huge difference that are not available to them. Not at all. And and 
you know that's that's why Coach Self did that. They know that it builds builds uh, you know the bonds that you guys have and the relationships that, and then it carries over to the floor. And, and uh, you know all these teams, especially a team like Nebraska, where they've had so many new guys coming in that they didn't have that luxury of doing stuff like that. I think that I think that's a, a big part yeah. of this season. I think we have the dudes. We obviously have the coaching staff. So it's 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 you know what's going on with this team and why aren't they winning? And, and a lot of it. Uh, has to do with that chemistry and the bonds that they haven't quite been able to build yet. I think it's I think it's getting there. Uh, but I, I I haven't been on a road trip yet. But even on road trips, you're hanging out with the entire team a lot of the time. And maybe they're not doing that as much this year because of because of COVID. Right. So I think there's a lot of things at play um, when it comes to the to the chemistry side of things. And and again, I, I mean, you know this, dude. I think you get a win, and, and a win can can cure a lot of things and 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 shift that that psyche to the good side of the good side yes. of the ledger and get some confidence going. Right. Right. Two, two or three more things. We're out of here. Mule. Um, real quick, Derek Walker, he's going to make his debut, uh, the Tennessee transfer in the next game. He's got to help, man. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think he's, I don't necessarily think we got like, you know, I mean, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar ready to, to enter into the game, but like the, there is a reality to, they still have some Nebraska still has some size issues in the interior, especially defensively. And he's a big body. I, I know you haven't been able to be around him or anything like that, but I think you got to see him a little bit last year. To, do you think Derek Walker makes a big impact? I think I think he does, and I think I think the the biggest impact I see him making. And like you said, he's not Kareem, but um, when I went to practices last year. He was a he was very vocal even as a as a as a guy that's redshirting he was a super vocal guy in practice and I love to see that and I think he could be that vocal leader that we're kind of missing right now because if you had to pick one guy that's their 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 vocal guy on the floor now you, you really can't no. pick one no so I hope he's that dude um, uh, and I think he's been trying to do that but it's really hard to be that guy and, and you know get after your teammate when you're not playing. It's just hard to do. It really is. So I think from a leadership standpoint, I think he's going to be huge. And then um, you get, you got to have size in the big 10 rebounding and and defensively. And you go back to that, the conversation about getting defensive rebounds and getting it outletted. I think he can be that guy. And and he's been a part of a winning program. I mean, uh, when you're, uh, when you get a team that you're on goes to the tournament, like Tennessee did that helps too. So I think, I think I hope, and I think that he will be that guy from a leadership perspective. Two more things, just kind of on coaching and big picture stuff. Like I don't see a glaring coaching issue or something like that. Like I don't defensively, I see what they're trying to do, uh, and uh, it's good. Offensively, I see what they're trying to do; it's good. Um, you know, I, whenever you're losing, people start to kind of question things a little bit. Like you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I do think the the roster makeup is is interesting in a in some ways, but at some point, like players got to make plays, you know, like, I mean, Fred Hoiberg gets out of dry race board and dials up a wide open shot for lat. Like he's got to make it like, I don't, you know, like he's got to knock it down. So it's, I don't see any sort of glaring. Like I've, I, I haven't one time walked away from a game being like, tell you what, Fred Hoiberg, yikes. He had a rough day today. Like I haven't felt that way. No, not even close. And I think, I mean, I think the game plans have been great for yeah. all the games and, 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 yeah, you look at all the games, and we've gotten off to great starts. Um, you know, we we've obviously played some good competition, and we played toe to toe with them. Other than the Ohio State game, throw that one out right. out of the window. Um, that we've we've competed and and we're in the games 
for 25, 30 minutes. And you're not, you're not, you're not competing with Wisconsin and, and Creighton and Michigan if if you don't have a good game plan. So I, I don't think I've never thought that. And guys got to make shots. Yeah. And and uh, we turned the ball over too many times uh, against Michigan State as well. And so there's just some some mental errors that we're that we're making. I I think one thing I know that I would assume that Fred wants to clean up. If you watch some of the film, I don't think we're setting good enough screens to get guys open. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, the game plans are there, man. I mean, uh, make some plays and, and, you know, I, Pavelka was giving me a hard time on the radio the other day. He asked me what my, 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 uh, three point shooting percentage was for my career. <laughs> and, uh, I was quite embarrassed to say that it was only 30%. Um, cause I'm like, you gotta make those shots. He's like, what was your percentage? And I go, oh, Jesus, but guys gotta make shots. I mean, no, it's no. just, it just is. It's, it's, uh, uh, that's, that's what it comes down to is simplify, simplify the game and, um, if he, he can drop the best play in the world, the guy's going to make plays. We're out of here after this. And we've talked about this a handful of times on the podcast, and it'll kind of continue to be a theme. Like, there's been some people that have questioned the blueprint. You know, can you do this? Can you do the transfer thing, all this stuff? Like, I, absolutely you can. You know, like, the plan is fine. The blueprint works. But I do think somewhere along the line, with all the one-year transfers that you bring in, they do need to really establish some core group that is together to create some foundation. Like, I do think this is important. And, you, I mean, it's great that you're going to get, uh, you know, Bryce McGowan's, Trey's brother, that the five-star kid. I, I would say if you're a five-star kid, you're likely not going to be here for more than two years. But it just, like, and I don't, I hate to pit it against Creighton because naturally these two programs always are against you. But, like, yeah, Creighton's had Marcus Foster and Maurice Watson and, and, and different transfers – but they've had Zegarowski, high school kid, Balak, high school kid, Christian Bishop, high school kid. Like they've they've had foundational guys that I still think that's a that's something I know I'm gonna be watching for is like just some core group. Doesn't have to be your best players, but a core group that provides some stability with the roster. Yeah, I, I think I think their blueprint will work, and I think there's gotta be some stability. I think they want that too. I think you know, like, like for example, I think Eduardo Andre is going to be a really good player, mm-hmm. and I think he can be one of those foundational pieces. Um, you, you bring in the big kid uh, from California, yep. uh, Braden Bach, uh, coming in as a freshman, and, and even Bryce McGowan's for that. But I think you can, I think you can create that foundation with bringing those guys in, and then have some obviously some transfers come in as well. I think you had Delano Banton, who's a sophomore, uh, even Trey McGowan's. Those, I think those guys will build some foundation for us and some continuity as well. Um, but you look around the, the, the league and you look at a team like Wisconsin where they're starting basically five seniors um, and they've been there forever. The, and then you see how they play. Mm-hmm. I think you have to have, I think you have to have some of that continuity and, and it's just, just from a, from a culture standpoint. And, and, um, but I, I think they'll, they'll get the guys that they need to get their, their blueprint obviously works and you can, uh, you can definitely win with what they're doing, but I think they, they do want some of those guys coming in, um, you know, whether it be a sophomore or a freshman coming in and, and creating those those guys that are, that are here for at least three or four years. Jake Mielheisen, you're the man, brother. This was uh, this was great. We'll have to catch up, uh, you know, maybe towards the uh, – we'll let some games kind of pass. I, I do think, like, I don't know. I they're, they're – yeah, it feels like they're a long ways away, but, man, I don't know. Like, we, I mean, they were within four to Michigan State uh, late. I didn't even feel like they actually – Nebraska played all that well, like – I don't know. I think Nebraska could, and, and like we've said, they just need to get a win, and maybe things can kind of get rolling here. Yeah, I, I, 
I do. I, and, and coach says this too. I mean, I, I feel like they're really close. Right. And I, and I do, I feel that way. I, and, and um, if they can just make some shots and, and, and not only that, but even if they could win an ugly game um, and that's where I go back, if they can just play and try to be an elite defensive team and just win a game, all they, gotta do, they get, to, they get that dang monkey off their back now. Cause now it's starting to build up and, and, and kind of be that, uh, that mental block a little bit. So, they just need to win. I, I do. I think they're closer than what that record shows. Um, so, I mean, I, I wish obviously we would have played last night against Purdue, but right. and hopefully this COVID stuff goes away. But mm-hmm. uh, they just they, they just need to win, man. Jamie Lizen, Jake, awesome stuff as always, man. We'll catch up. Sounds good. Thanks. All right, my thanks to Pella. If you're thinking about a new window or a new door, now is the time. Check them out online on the web at PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. And uh, my thanks to my good friends at Rumza. Best fries on the planet. Great burgers. Cheese Runza. Delicious. The food is simply fantastic. Runza makes it all better. A Huda Media Production.